0: Hi, this is David Sweet, founder of FocusCore, and I'd like to invite you to take a look at our 2024 Salary Guide. It's a great resource for hiring APAC professionals wanting to know about the salaries for executive positions within Japan, as well as finding out information of what's important to attract the best talent in Japan. The Salary Guide is found on our website under About Salary Guide 2024. I hope you find this information useful for you and your company. Now, on to our podcast. I hope uh, none of my HR clients are hearing this, but <laughs> stay away from HR. Just, you know, go and speak to the hiring manager and and get to know them and and talk to them and see where yeah. they network and who they would recommend to get to know and, and that's where these relationships become very valuable and potent for for finding a new job or or information or absolutely
1: casual discussion yeah
0: so i'm pleased to welcome today sam barker to the focus core podcast hello sam hi david how's it going it is fantastic. Thank you for joining us in your morning time. My afternoon. Yeah, no problem at all. So um, if you would, please talk a, a bit of your background, your history that's brought you up to your current work, and then we'll kind of dive into uh, your thoughts about Japan and such.
1: Sure, of course. So I studied history at university. Um, I did a master's at King's College London in modern history. I really enjoyed it, but after I'd done my master's, I kind of thought, um i would kind of come to the end of my of my short academic career and thought i want to do something different i really want to sort of get out there challenge myself um i was always very interested in japan um and i had a couple of friends that were out there teaching in japan so i thought you know uh, let's go to japan for a year i know i've heard about the jet stuff i've heard about the alts so let's go over there so i went over to teach japan for a year um i really really enjoyed it i thought it was a great experience um I did kind of what I was aiming to do, challenged myself, put myself um, in a totally new position. You know, one day you're at the Senate House in London, studying with your head in the book. The other day you're in an elementary school in (laughs) somewhere in Tokyo, dancing around with a load of five-year-olds. So, you know, that's what I wanted. And that was a really great experience. Um, And so after that, I came back to the UK. I thought, okay, I really enjoyed that. Um, I wasn't ready to commit fully to staying in Japan for the for the long term, I thought I, I kind of want to, I want to go back and I want to kind of get a career started first, at least So I went back to the UK, uh, moved to Cambridge and uh, worked in a software firm uh, in the marketing department, actually. So um, doing things like Google AdWords, LinkedIn advertising, email marketing, writing copy, writing guides, um, doing a little bit of sales funnel work, doing a little bit of events, public speaking, Lots of different um, experiences, which is great, because that's exactly what I was looking for. And now I'm looking to take that kind of the, the knowledge I have, the, the knowledge I have of marketing um, that I've been able to build up over the last couple of years. And the interest I have in Japan, the kind of um, the, 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 the affection and the kind of passion I have towards the country. I always find it a very um, something about it. Always, I always really enjoyed. I like the mundane elements of life in Japan walking down the street, you know, just the, the, the small things always really captured my imagination. And whenever I went back there, I, I always thought you, "You've," I was able to go on holiday there. You know, a couple of times since I came back, I always thought, I really want to, you've got to integrate this somehow into your your wider knowledge base. And now I think I'm at the point where I can. So um, I've been writing a little bit about business in Japan, conducting some interviews, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more um, later later. And I'm looking to really explore that even more. I'm really looking to push myself as a writer. Um, I'm looking to connect people with the reality of working in Japan. Um, maybe communicate to people who know nothing about that, and, and perhaps educate people that know something about that. Maybe people who've been living in Japan looking for a different perspective. Lots of different potentials out there. But mm. that's what's led me to here today, um, speaking to you as a kind of as a, as a sort of a, a writing writer perspective.
0: Because you had uh, wrote, written a a recent article, Landing Your Business in Japan, An Expert Guide to Success. And um, it was very succinct um, and straightforward. And I, I hope that everyone that needs to manage people in Japan or is coming to Japan to work, reads it. Um, and it Thank was you so fairly, much. I really appreciate that. And it, it was fairly you know, straightforward, just focusing around language, mindset, and diversity. If I am remembering the article right, no, that's that's it. And um, it, it, so let's let's kind of pick some of those elements. Sure, um, absolutely. Apart. Let's let's maybe let's start with. Uh, I mean, the easy one to start with is the language one, right? Because it's just is, so different, right?
1: Absolutely. So so the kind of genesis of the of the article was a mixture of um, uh, obviously this is a topic I wanted to write about, but also a topic that you know I haven't run a business in Japan. Mm -hmm. what should i do let's reach out to people so i was able to reach out to um quite a a number of pretty impressive professionals who really knew their stuff about working in japan and like i said they came back compiled all the interviews put my own spin on it and this is what we came to so language is something that probably the most straightforward of the three um if you want to work in japan successfully you need strong language skills anyone who's been in japan it's a pretty monolingual society obviously as an english teacher you kind of see that firsthand. Um, I was able to teach a lot of people who are pretty good at English. There was a kind of, I was teaching in schools, but I was also teaching uh, business classes in the evening. Um, mm-hmm. And this is kind of where this language element really comes to the fore. Um, it's not just about being able to say the words in Japanese or to put things through Google translate and it make grammatical sense. It's about communication. This is something that came up a lot in these interviews I was doing with professionals in Japan. Um, Sometimes you will need to change the entire way you are working in terms of UX design, in terms of presentations, in terms of formatting. Language is not just a static thing from one country to another. So what you really need to be able to do is find someone who has the genuine language ability, the kind of um, the uh, sort of um, roiling... Um, dynamic language ability to really take something in one language and fully translate the essence of it into Japanese. A little bit abstract, but that's what we kind of work with, particularly yourself as a a sales background. I know, David, how important that is to um, transmit the emotion and the meaning of something, not just binary Google translate things from one to the other. Um, And and look, not everyone has these skills immediately. If you're a business, if if you're an entrepreneur, maybe you haven't spent 15 years studying Japanese, find people who have um, is really the key thing. Um, If you don't have the skills yourself, you can find them. And you can find Mm -hmm. professionals in Japan, um, maybe who are bilingual or or Japanese people who've gone to study abroad and learn English. Um, But having that dynamic understanding is really important. And it goes a long way. It's the building block. It's the first step. Um, And that's something that I think makes a lot of sense. Um there's not much you can really argue about that. You really do need to have those language skills at a top top level if you want to compete at a top level.
0: Yeah, I I work with a lot of um the language skills I look at is having the English skills on the flip sure. side of that because if you want to be in top management in a foreign company in Japan, absolutely. And you're reporting into APAC, a lot yeah. of times I'll, we'll have some leaders within a company in Japan who speak English, but they don't have the the, the gravitas or mm. the aggressiveness to speak or to argue um, like their Western counterpart might want yeah. to, and even that kind of um, creative debate that's not Absolutely. part of our language training in Japan. And, but it's something that we're used to in Europe and the U and in, in the Americas, especially, and we're used to having that. Um, and that even goes beyond the language, I guess that goes into our next topic, which is mindset, um, yes. which is having that kind of a broader mindset than just the rigid uh, static way of doing things. Right
1: exactly well it they will link into each other of course so if you hire someone or you find someone who has good language skills the understanding of mindset is what they are using to make sure that your sentences and structure uh, are produced properly so the mindset is one that i think most people can grasp to some degree that japanese business culture works differently from uh, western mm-hmm. business culture or you know other kind of asian business culture um so but it's about having a genuine understanding of the mindset um, and not just using stereotypes. You know, it's not the 1980s anymore. Um, mindset in terms of what are consumers looking for right now in Japan? What do they value? What do they expect? What do they dislike? Mm. It's about making yourself um, like, you know, a friend and someone that can be trusted, not someone who's coming in as a bad kind of disruptor who just makes people uncomfortable and feels weird and this again this is all research is really the key thing here if you're coming over here and you've got a uh, say that you've got a uh, a software startup which is uh, an online-based competitor to zoom for instance how many people well, how many people in japan use zoom how popular is it um, do people do video calls a lot i mean there's some there's a lot of debate about You know, working from home in Japan versus working from the office. You need to study these things and not just, Mm. for instance, assume, well, all Japanese people work in offices because that's what they do because they're conservative. You know, uh, me and you, I know, um, you. That it's the case that that's not the case. You know, people in Mm. Japan have gone. There's been a work from home, and now there's a kind of debate about whether that's going to continue. So really understanding these, the genuine. um, situation that the market is in at the moment is really important. And this is another thing. If you don't know, talk to people, find out from people, do some research, maybe try and find some Japanese language media, because this is another key thing. Um, If you're relying on a bubble of just other people who are living in Japan, speaking English, that's great. There's a lot of resources there. There's a lot of insight there, but you really need to drill down into what the reality is, because at the end of the day, if you don't do the research, people won't buy it because you'll alienate them, and they'll think you're weird and confrontational. And no one likes that, no matter where they are in the world.
0: Yeah, I've, I see that with a lot of expats that come over, and they've kind of they've watched Lost in Translation, so uh, they pretty think... much know what <laughs> they know what's going on. Uh, they've, they they kind of got the Shinjuku idea, and uh, so that's that's their their. Uh, Start into Japan, but I think um, one of the hardest jumps that I see is bridging that gap between, like home office or APAC and Japan, because there is that mindset that Absolutely. you might have. Uh, I work with a couple of like uh, luxury good companies that they you know they want sales up, you know they and it okay. needs to be the chart needs to be going up to the right very quickly. Whereas in Japan, we say, Oh, you can't do that. It's going to be a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you bridge that gap and may meet somewhere in the middle? And I think that's the hardest job uh, within Japan is coming into this as an expat and leading a company or leading being a CFO and trying to explain that to APAC, what those differences are in such a way that both parties understand where they're at. So that bridge is even a much more difficult mindset to grasp than one or the other in some ways
1: i, I think that, that's an excellent point because at the end of the day um the kind of kpis are going to drive behavior what yeah. am i expecting from my employees and if i my kpis are difficult or weird or the japanese professionals i've employed don't understand them that's going to create a lot of tension a lot of friction now obviously everyone wants success everyone wants results but like you say, I think that the, you know, the, the mindset of a hyper salesy, you know, 1980s New York stockbroker, you know, of course you want success, but you can't just drop that into Japan in 2022. Um, and, and luxury goods is a very good example. I was able to talk to um, uh, quite a few people that work in luxury goods. And it, it's tricky, you know, if you're, you know, high-end whiskey, um, supercar hire, This is all stuff that requires a lot of finesse, Mm, Um, mm. and if you can't connect with these consumers, they're not going to take a second look at you. You know, there's spending a lot of money here, so it's very, very important to adjust your own uh, mindset and expectations. And I think that that is a really good point about the business expectations, Mm. Um, the consumers, but also you. What are you expecting from your employees? Because you you can't just you can't fight the world. You can't fight. You know the consumers and your own employees you have to find a you know a balance somewhere if you want to be here for you know in, in japan for five ten years 20 years into the future and get the success that you're you're presumably looking for
0: yeah yeah i was at lunch today talking to a, a um, director for one of the sporting goods companies here and and we just he was talking about a canadian company that is in japan and they just they had to pull out because they weren't able really. to do what well, there you go talking about it's just being able to to reach both the customer they were fighting internal and the customer there you go and they couldn't get both you you can't you have to get all together on the same page right
1: yeah because again it it costs a lot of money resources and time to try and move the business to Japan you know there's a lot oh, of yeah. poten- there's a lot of potential uh, you know boons that can come from it But if you don't get the fundamentals correct, it's just a waste of everyone's time and a waste of your money. So you know, get it, get you know, do do a little bit of research, commission some kind of um, presentation, some kind of project, maybe some kind of outside consulting or something, just to give Mm -hmm. you a realistic picture, because that realistic picture is what you're going to be confronted with, whether you like it or not. Um, You know, and 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 to be fair, just to bring it back to a more simple level, as an English teacher. you're moving over to japan you know this is many years ago i suppose for me um now at this point but you can have a fantasy idea of what teaching in japan is going to be like the reality is going to be different you know it doesn't matter what what you're doing and that's a much more you know a little bit more of a straightforward situation maybe than you know moving a multinational company but uh, the reality is the same you know the, the place you're coming into is what it is whether you accept it or not and what what happens is you know the people that thrive and move on you know they're English teaching and now they're moving on they're going in Japanese companies is they accept that and adjust to it and the people that don't are the people that end up going home mm. after a couple mm. of months upset and angry at Japan because it wasn't everything they ever dreamed of
0: yeah let's let's move on to um, in your research you also did an extensive uh, bit of writing around diversity mm. um, and it's uh it's a when we say diversity in Japan it's a different kind of can of worms than it is mm. in other places in the world. So talk yeah. on that.
1: This is, so this is, this is the tricky part. This is, I think what, um, when you've got the kind of the, the language and the mindset and you're okay, I'm coming in Japan. This tempers, this is about tempering your assumptions and your expectations that you've done that research on. So, you know, it, you might say, Hey, this is really unfair. How can you possibly say that? But this is the difficulty of, when you have millions of humans. So um, the diversity, it's the idea of once you've established how the majority of the patterns kind of work in your market in Japan, understand that that's not always the case. Japanese consumers don't always want X. They don't always want Y. Hmm. Even if you know Y is different from your home country's expectations of A, B, and C, you still need to be alert to these things. And you still need to really understand that there's a lot of different people in Japan with different wants and needs. So a, a good example of this that was something that was brought up in a lot of these interviews was um the market of there is an element of um foreign born population of Japan. It's about I believe it's about 2% right now. So it's not it's not um enormous, but it is growing mm. um, and it probably will. And those kind of consumers are a market, you know, there's you know, that's a lot of people in a country of, you know, how many people are in Japan? Millions upon millions. Um you need to be alert to that. Are you targeting them? Are you going to go after them? That's quite a lot of people. You could, and if you are, are you targeting them and also Japanese professionals? A lot of these um, people working in Japan are based in Tokyo. Outside, out, out they've kind of a, uh, an outsized influence in places like Tokyo. Um, so, are you targeting them? Are you not? Are you only interested in you know monolingual Japanese consumers? It's important, and you need to drill down. You need to chop down into you know the nitty-gritty of what mm. people are actually looking for in japan because the balance you're looking for is to be someone's friends to be some trusting but you also want dynamism you're not just looking to move to japan and become a japanese company because yeah. otherwise why would you not just get a job at a japanese company or, or you know just kind of um or, or, or more seriously i guess um uh, sort of lease out what you're trying to do to a Japanese company and say hey you're already here doing this let's work together you're not why why not partnership you're clearly looking to come in here and shake things up so it's about shaking things up in a genuine way um with an understanding of how you can actually make yourself different uh, and make yourself stand out and again I, I think that it's just important because japan is a classic i mentioned lost in translation you know it's a great film we all love bill murray but it you know there's a lot of these stereotypes about japan so you might think oh i've got the mindset you know i've seen this that and the other um no you need to really not use that and you need to actually look at what's going on on the ground um and temper your expectations and don't be a bull in a china shop learn from people mm. be willing to see what is going on around you um and if you're trying something and it's not working Why is that? Find that out. So one of the examples I kind of bring up is, again, talking to people who are in, you know, maybe in the same position to you. Maybe again, foreign-born business businesses going over in the same market. What about in a really different market? What about in a different part of the country? What about in someone who's been here for twenty years versus someone who's been here for two years? Again, it's about tempering, and I, I wouldn't blame people to say, "Well, I'm not sure what you're really talking about here." This sounds really complicated and confusing, yeah. but at the end of the day, that is the differences of understanding that is the difference between someone who comes over and maybe makes a moderate success versus the people that thrive. Um, so really understanding that kind of um the dynamism and diversity of Japanese society and Japanese um perspective and wants and needs, I think is really important. Um, and that's something you you you, you know you just really need to accept and adjust to and it will take time and it will take surrounding yourself with people that know what they're doing um but once you've done that that is when you'll really be sailing you'll really be kind of on your way to genuine success once you've understood that Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i I think one of the points to highlight uh from what taking away from what you're saying now is just to surround yourself with absolutely best people right that's always a a key element moving into any market let alone japan or but having those trust, uh, those gaining that trust of people around you that know what they're doing in a foreign That's
1: market. There's no shame in not understanding. I mean, part of the reason I, I wanted to reach out to professionals who were you know, working at quite high levels is that I wanted to. I wanted to learn from them. Um, you know, I don't know everything. I don't think there's any shame in admitting that. You know, not everyone knows everything about what they're doing, and particularly in Japan, you can find people. I'd say, like like yourself, David, that have been here. That have been there, I keep saying here, because mentally I'm kind of imagining myself in Japan um, <laughs> as we speak, but have been in Japan for a long, long time and have really been through the, all the cycles of, you know, assumptions, corrections, assumptions, corrections at all different levels of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just good to learn from people like that. It's good to learn and understand, um, yeah. even if their situation is very different to yours, how they solve the problems in their life or in their business or whatever it might be. That will probably help you. That'll probably give you something to, to chew on and to work from.
0: That's great. Let's let's drill down on that a little bit more. So, if sure. um, individuals or and or companies are looking to set up in Japan, from what you've your research and what you found, what do you think um, people should be looking for?
1: I think uh, so. It's people that have a genuine. I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day. And he works. He works for 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 uh, for the Japanese Business MBA University actually. And he was saying the problem is that there are a lot of, um, you know, foreign-born people who come to Japan or fancy themselves as having great Japanese, and and that they just don't. They just don't. It's all book learning and it's test, you know, it's test ticking, and that's not the case. You need someone that can actually be thrown in a thrown in the deep end. And understand it. And this is this is a tricky one. He was saying to me, it's a tricky one. How do you interview for someone with genuine language skills? You might need to get creative. You might need to, um, you know, figure out some kind of puzzle, some kind of alternative tests and such to really figure out um, how can people actually hold a conversation? Can people hold like a a kind of a, a Japanese style argument, a Japanese style disagreement? Um, very very different from in America, in the West or the UK, about the way we would disagree mm-hmm. with each other. Um, I I think that there's no way around it, the interviewing process um, and really being able to find these kind of hybrid people that understand, obviously, the the mindset of the country they come from, but obviously the Japanese mindset as well. I mean, look, maybe you want to ask about what kind of social life they have in Japan. You know, do they hang out with just other foreigners, other Mm -hmm. uh, foreign-born population? Might be something to look at. Do they, you know, have a Japanese uh you know the people in their life that are, that are Japanese. Do they have friends that are Japanese? Do they go to clubs? Are they involved in their local community? Again, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not the expert in recruiting in Japan, but these ideas I think are very important, and they're they're, they're kind of what a lot of people will do in any job, really.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you always want to drill down into what someone is like, and I don't think there's any look if if you're hiring someone for a really high context Japanese position where they're going to be involved at a very high level with a lot of very experienced japanese professionals and you know they've got their n1 they've got their certificate but they they just haven't they haven't been in japan that's another one maybe they haven't been in japan That that's tricky and there's to be fair there's no harm in training training is very important i'm sure someone that's bright enough to get n1 can can kind of uh, learn on their feet really well but this kind of thing's really important and i, I and i feel like the um I do think it's a good idea to go from sort of point one, two, three. So hire, if you hire for language, they'll probably have a bit of the mindset and then you can probably train them in the diversity element. Sorry about that. You can probably train them in the diversity element and the kind of um, the, the the exceptions that prove the rule yourself. Hmm. I think the so I'd go language, mindset, they'll probably have half the mindset anyway, and then training in fixing up the mindset and then also the diversity. Um, I think that, you know, if I, if I was put into, uh, the professional shoes that, 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 that's certainly what I do.
0: What about, I mean, a lot of the mindset as well, especially coming from the Japan side is like, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. You have N1 or we just need to hire someone Japanese. It's gotta be Japanese.
1: So I think there's, there's an interesting, um, there's an interesting situation there, which is something I bumped into. So when I was working, and again, I, I don't want to um, center myself too much in these discussions, but I do think this was really interesting. Um, so when I was working for, I worked as an ALT, um, the company I was working with, they were mostly Japanese staff members, mostly Japanese staff members. And that all of them were pretty bilingual. They could all hold a conversation in English and Japanese, but there was a genuine difference between the people that had been abroad or studied abroad to those that hadn't. And it was something that again, like I was saying is kind of, it's pretty abstract. It would be in the way they looked at you, the way they talked to you, but you could definitely sense it. And obviously to be brutally honest, you have a, you're a little bit more relaxed when you're talking to the staff members that have been abroad because they, the way they talk to you is a bit different Mm -hmm. than the way you talk to them. And a lot of this is non-verbal of course, but it made a big difference. So hiring people that have had some kind of experience working abroad, traveling abroad, I think there's no way around that. It just makes a big difference because it's about that dynamic use of English, that dynamic use of English skills. And look, again, you know, if I'm um, not an expert in recruiting um, from 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 the perspective of a, of a Western business in Japan, I'm certainly not an expert from a Japanese uh, a business in Japan. So, like I say, I, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, but I'd absolutely having that kind of genuine language ability and that relaxation element, that naturalness, hi, mm-hmm. how are you doing, type thing. How was the lesson last week? How was the trip? This kind of thing it makes a big difference. So, and again, I'm sure that could be something that could be trained. Why not run a kind of a, a boot camp, language boot camp, in America, in the UK, somewhere. Um, for your Japanese employees, immerse them into into the real the the real genuine kind of dynamic uh, use of language and you know coming into the the more complex elements from Japanese perspective, like you said earlier, how to have an argument, how to have a disagreement, because just sort of um, letting things be is not always the way yep. it, it can work. Uh, it just can't work like that if you're dealing with you know Western business professionals. Sometimes you need to just say to people, look, this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, or look, I don't agree with you at all. I think you're on the complete wrong path. And I think that confidence is going to come from first-hand experience, ultimately.
0: What were some unexpected things that your research showed about uh, Japan for you?
1: So I think that this um, this element about diversity, I think the main thing that I was kind of really interested in is when one of these um, questions I was talking to did point out um this element of like the kind of foreign-born population of Japan it wasn't something I'd thought about going into uh, these interview series necessarily but having come out of it I think it's really interesting and it's definitely something to think about a lot because these people connect as like connective tissue Mm -hmm. they're they're probably the people that you're going to be hiring ultimately um you know nowadays it's a lot easier to live in Japan with not amazing Japanese. And the reason I bring that up is, for instance, if you're hiring a software developer, if you're hiring a back-end person, if you're hiring a web developer, maybe they don't need to have perfect Japanese because you're going to have someone else whose job it is to make sure that the Japanese on your on your website is perfect. But I think that's, that's a real resource. And I think being at the places where the professionals are um, that you're looking for is really important. That obviously applies from Japanese, but also from this kind of the foreign-born population element. Um, So I thought that was really that was something that was really good um, that came out of that uh, out Mm -hmm. of those discussions. Um, Obviously, because a lot of people I was interviewing were themselves foreign-born professionals working in Japan, I just thought that that was a really good point to point to raise.
0: That's interesting, yeah. Because I I, one of the things with the just the shortage of talent, the talent bilingual talent pool in Japan, and then there's such a, a shroud around. Diversity and not to not to branch out. And so to do that is is refreshing mm. always to to hear. I think
1: and I think what's what's also something that is underrated is, as I say, you know there are Japanese startups. there there are there are dynamic young Japanese companies who hire Japanese people that are really looking to get going. Yeah. Um, you know you can find Japanese people that are interested in in kind of western business and enthusiastic about western business culture it, it's all out there you just need to go out and find it
0: yep that's great so it, as we you know kind of start to wrap up oh i'd like to end with an omiyage for listeners <laughs> if uh if you were from your research and all the that you've done what do you think uh, would be an omiyage you would uh, give the listeners uh for
1: um can you okay? So can you give me give me your translation of omiyage so I don't so I don't mess
0: up. Uh, um, don't okay, misinterpret yeah. it. So omiyage a bit of a this is present. me being
1: very very surgical about. That's this. great.
0: So basically, uh, it's a present that you you go away on vacation, and yeah. you're obligated. Tokyo banana. You have to bring back a Tokyo <laughs> banana. um okay. If you go to Hokkaido, you must bring your 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 KitKat flavored uh, melon flavored KitKats. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah so yeah because when you said that I thought he's talking about the the packs that you find at the Shinkansen station That's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> what can I so, Okay so so what what's a what's a little gift that I could um
0: what would give listeners that little gift
1: So what I would say is um I'll be really honest I'll give you the little gift that I that I that really started a lot of this is um, there's some really great groups on places like LinkedIn hmm. that really do have a lot of professionals there that are just like really know their stuff um, and are really excellent at what they're doing. And I think that really something basic like just getting a LinkedIn profile and like talking to these people, I think is really good. Social media is out there, not everything has to be done through very official, serious channels you can find people that are like know what they're doing and are you know pretty eager to talk and learn and that's something i think would be good look really basic pretty straightforward but you know these places are really good and if you haven't explored them i'd say do because i found i i might again a lot of this came out for me joining these groups and just sort of seeing what was going on you know i'm sure there's facebook groups as well twitter is really good um, so that, that that's what I'd say. I'd say if you're interested in these topics we've been discussing, look out to those areas, um, and and just just ju- see what you can find there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to be said for the the casual conversations that can come from LinkedIn and Absolutely. using it. I, so so often, I mean, my world it's all about recruitment. So you, you hear mm. a lot of the noise that okay, I'm I'm people are sending me jobs or recruiters are on mm. it. But there is a lot of other things going on there that I think is so important. I know I did a podcast where I tell job seekers, most job seekers don't tell anybody this, but most jobs aren't going to be found through recruiters. Um, but they could go on LinkedIn and start talking to hiring managers.
1: Absolutely. No, I I, I found my. Um... Uh, LinkedIn is excellent for job searching and again it's really basic stuff but I again on a personal level I found it much more it's also a lot better because it has a picture of you it's a picture of you and a face and a kind of little bio and even if you don't have a massive amount in your bio if you're just starting out you're looking for work who knows what situation might be uh, it's really good and that's much better than just sending a a, a, just a a cover letter and a and a CV it's certainly going to get you a lot more it's just more personable and this whole topic we've had is about being personable being present being um a friendly face and that's what linkedin really enables you to do
0: yeah i just i I think that's so much better i had so many candidates say oh what have you done for your job search well i I applied online or i applied through Mm. linkedin and i i hope uh, none of my hr clients are hearing this but (laughs) stay away from hr just you know go and speak (laughs) to the hiring manager and and get to know them and, and talk to them and see where yeah. they network and who they would recommend to get to know. And, and that's where these relationships become very valuable and potent for for finding a new job or or information or absolutely casual
1: discussion. Yeah. You
0: know. that's, that's our I mean, whole discussion has been based on on our, our LinkedIn uh meeting. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, 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 absolutely.
0: It's, uh, it works so well thank you so much sam i appreciate you taking time out of your day to to share with us your your insights about uh your research about japan and um keep going i loved uh, i loved your articles and uh and you have you have uh, places where people can find you on the yeah, inter- you... where's the best place to follow you
1: so you can find my website it's far side virtual f-a-r-s-i-d-e-v-i-r-t-u-a-l uh, we'll so all, all yeah absolutely thank you so much uh i'm on twitter um which uh, you probably have a link to add uh, on uh, linkedin linkedin might be the best feel free to just have a chat add me on linkedin um you can read some of my past articles on my website um twitter a bit more casual obviously but probably linkedin is the best place you know, that's why I'm, I'm looking to really network with people to find opportunities for writing and such so please feel free to reach out to me on there anytime
0: And we should have talked about music and Steve Jobs, from what I saw.
1: (laughs) yes, yes, yeah. Well, um, downloading uh, music—that
0: was, uh, was...
1: (laughs) yeah. No, it's uh, I've I've I'm quite you know I I I I I just I have a little bit of background in writing about culture, writing about music, um, writing about uh, lots of different weird little electronic music genres. Um, So you know, my writing kind of runs the gamut uh, from from the most abstract to the most serious.
0: I really enjoy it. Well, thank you so much, Sam. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time, David. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure.